Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Chris Talks Music. This time around, ahead of the 90s Fest, which will be taking place at the Don Valley Bowl this Saturday, the 5th of August, I spoke to the Finnish DJ and producer, Darude, world-renowned. Born in 1975, Darude has been an active part of the global EDM scene since 1999, when he released his debut single and breakout hit Sandstorm, which earned him the coveted title of being the first Finnish musician to get a top 10 UK hit. Since then... He's released all sorts of music and a string of successful singles, such as Out of Control and Feel the Beat when he's driving that amazing yellow sports car around the coast. He's also collaborated with a number of artists, including the likes of Jess 16 who we get onto later over the course of this episode, Ajax and Eunice Hamo. In addition to writing and performing music, he's also an experienced remixer and he's worked with numerous produ- producers over the years. Undoubtedly, his most successful single to date is Sandstorm. Released in 99, it gained global recognition for its unique blend of melodic trance and progressive house, and it's considered by many to be probably one of the most influential EDM songs ever released, and continues to be played in clubs around the world today. It's also spawned a popular internet meme, which Google even jumped in on um, when people would search for a song it would come up with the search request, Did You Mean Sandstorm? by Darude. His music styles have evolved over the years, and we'll talk about this over the course of this episode, and he typically creates a kind of instrumental track that are heavily influenced by trance and progressive house. He cited acts such as Sasha, John Digweed, Dave Seaman, and BT as major influences on his sound, as well as the Nigerian-Swedish musician Dr. Alban, who you would know for this song. Which is a definitive banger. And it was great just kind of reading into Darude and finding out about his influences and that song naturally came up. He also creates music for video games and produces remixes for other artists, and he's recently started his own record label, which we will jump into over the course of this episode. Thanks to his success as a DJ and a producer, he's won numerous awards over the years, and he's been one of those rare artists that isn't defined just by one particular hit, i.e. Sandstorm. But we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about many other things over the course of this week's episode, but I do hope you enjoy. And once again, thanks for listening. Darudi's best curse are nobody definitely knows me with my real name. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not something that you use all the time. It's like your... um... It's almost like your your real name's your alias now, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's loads of things we could kind of, kind of discuss and talk about. And normally, I've kind of I've looked up some of the interviews that you were doing with people, and so on. But um, we'll get onto that in a minute. But I'm Chris, by the way. So I'm Chris from the Sheffield Star. Um. And um, you'll be coming to Sheffield on 
this weekend, won't uh, this yeah. week, Saturday at the nineties yeah. fest at Magna. Yeah. So you're um you're up there on the top billing with like the likes of Armin van Helden, an example, and Paul Oakenfeld. Gosh, it's like a it's like a list of artists. Do you know that I grew up listening to? Yeah, <laughs> it's well, kind of like a a trip down memory lane for me. Even like the likes of like Sonic. Gosh, I remember that song. I was doing my GCSEs at the time. I yeah. Think. You know what? I, I, I have bittersweet feelings about Sonic. How come? He's amazing. Yeah. That amazing person beat me on my uh, Pepsi chart list. <laughs> my oh, did you? Week in, in 2000. Yeah. So oh. Black Legend, You See the Trouble, I think that was number one. And Sonic was two with... Uh, Feels so good, and then uh, Sandstorm was number three. Oh, um, no, I, uh, I, I love her. She's, um, she's a firecracker, and I met her several times early two thousands. We toured uh, several of like, uh, of the same festivals and stuff. And uh, just recently, actually, uh, I played at the same festival with her in, um, in Lithuania. Okay. And uh, I think then again, I didn't have a chance to meet her again uh, this time. Like there, we hung out for a good while. But then uh, there was another festival. Was it in Ireland, maybe? Just a couple of weeks ago where our paths crossed again. But we basically just uh, went like and uh, didn't have a chance to hang. But yeah, she's uh, she's awesome. Yeah, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen her name for years. So just to see her name is just, I remember that, that. I mean, obviously, she had that particular. It was that one big hit in the UK. Yeah, uh, big as well, and an amazing song as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she was also a, t- a talented DJ in her own right as well. So yeah. it was just. Uh, but a lot of people we don't kind of see that in, in, when it comes to popular chart music, and you've kind of discussed the um, in previous interviews the kind of the diversification of different radio stations in the UK in comparison to the likes of America. I think it was in your interview with the TNT magazine and you were talking about how in America it was like hip-hop was the only thing that generally tended to cross over. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, that was that was definitely an era there. Like, I'm not a an expert in, in American radio in that way, but I've been touring there for 20 years and or 25 years soon actually and uh and then i lived there for six years so uh is atlanta right uh yeah near atlanta yeah uh roswell georgia but uh the key difference to to know and to realize about american radio and uh, british and finnish and many of the european countries that we have our national radio that uh everybody can listen and actually a lot of people do listen to and, uh, you know, like Radio 1, for instance, uh, in UK, our national radio also has um, sort of their own playlist and their agenda is not money-based directly because it's, uh, you know, it's a, you know, uh, taxpayer funded. So they they don't have to play that uh, narrow 12 track playlist day after day. And then also they have these specialty programs like you guys have as well, as well and more so probably like dance music-wise and so on. Uh, and in America, there's no general all-covering public radio at all. No. It, they're state-oriented. They have 
have radio stations, and most of those are uh, commercial radio stations anyway, so they're all based on um, just pure numbers, basically. And um, some of them are really good. In some areas, there are, for instance, from my perspective, there are a lot of dance music folks, and there, there have been successful and big radio stations, dance music-wise. But a flip of a coin is that, for instance, there used to be this... Uh, amazing channel in in miami area in florida called party 93.1 and uh one weekend when the people went home on a friday and then when they came back on a monday it had changed from that had grown to be a big huge successful and much loved uh dance radio it changed to like this latin pop radio just because somebody up the chain saw that uh, another dance i mean latin station went out of business for whatever reason and all of a sudden there was a huge marketplace for latin radio that is way bigger in that area even though the dance radio was huge and then they just decided like okay it's going to be a latin station from now on and the people who came on monday they could either stay or they could go but uh wow. you know it's brilliant you know imagine that it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I knew. I knew. Oh, I know a couple of people who work there, and uh, it was it was pretty crazy. Like, and that's very. Uh, I'm not saying saying that's very typical, but that's kind of describing the best how I know how American radio kind of works. It's a very cutthroat, very um, commercial, what's hot based, and um, a huge difference. Obviously, there are commercial radio stations in other countries as well. And they do work a little different in those places, but but in some countries like UK, you know, you have institutes like you know Radio One, or like historically that has been like a, a huge influencer to to a lot of uh, music other than dance music as well. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a great platform for a, a plethora of different genres of stuff, and then obviously then you've kind of got the more the specialty radio stations that kind of then dial down into from the BBC that kind of then yeah. dial down into the other different genres in different ways, like one extra, which looks at kind of predominantly music of black origin. And um, then you've got like your six music and so on. And it's, I think it's really important that we kind of maintain these stations and these portals for people to kind of be able to discover, um, music organically without being kind of predetermined by an algorithm if you know what i mean yeah because uh... and that's that's an interesting thing that i've been um one of my my good friends here in finland works for um our radio one so to say and okay he, he's he's done uh, a friday evening for 15 years um uh, of specialty dance music programming yeah uh, he he makes techno himself, but he's really well versed in in trance, in '90s stuff like that's kind of come and gone, been hot and is kind of hot again. And uh, yeah. and then, but if he plays himself, his own set, that's like techno. And I've I've talked with him about that, and it's an interesting thing. Like you said, you mentioned algorithms, is um, that um, you know, discover discoverability on uh, the Spotify's and Apple Music's and YouTube's and everything. That's amazing. That's really, truly amazing. You come across a lot of stuff that you wouldn't otherwise. But okay. if you have a curator, somebody like him, 
uh, that digs out those records, not at the stores anymore, but finds them on the, you know, you know, small channels of the YouTubes and SoundClouds and whatnot and brings up weird artists from weird, I don't know, left field, this and that. I mean, yeah. that's kind of lacking from the algorithms. They they are, in a lot of times, they're based on popularity and then just kind of like the similarity factor, not necessarily like what's strange or what's really cool, but blah, blah, blah. And for that, I think you need the human touch, at least yet still now. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of almost like, it's almost like you need like a somebody... Th- like a, a metal detector who discovers all the white label vinyls yeah. on those um, and the tracks that you can then kind of pull them out and you go, you like this, and this came out in 2022 or whatever, and it has this kind of beat. But did you know that it was sampled from this, which was way back then, but then this can then take you on this journey? And that's the thing with music. It's, um, for me, um, and... I mean, you can share your thoughts on this as well. I I think it's like, say I listened to your album Moments today. And for me, it was, it was a, it was a journey just through kind of different states of emotion and different feelings of, um, excitement or, um, thoughtfulness at different periods. And I, I listen to, I, I listen to quite a lot of music when I'm out walking my dog and, we're out walking in the hills and and today it's it's absolutely pissing it down so mind my french and it's just it's just chucking it down here and it's just awful weather and it's just great to kind of just pull your hood up turn the noise cancelling on and then just kind of absorb music yeah and it was like i kind of felt like kicking my own ass because i hadn't really listened to enough of your music before and it was like moments came out in 2015 15, yeah. uh, and it's like the first the first half of that album right you could have released that like yesterday and it would be i think it would be relevant right now do you know what i mean mm, um, okay. cool. i it's like they had the um it was the track um coming home i think that's mm. that's, that's chuffing amazing mate I, I i really appreciate that track it was great and I, I think i replayed that song about three or four times back to back and it's just and that's the thing it's like kind of we need we do need like djs that can kind of and musical fans that can kind of share these experiences with us and kind of take us to these different places that an algorithm as wonderful as it is in terms of discovery and unearthing different stuff in a different way it just can't do that in that same yeah. holistic humanistic kind of way yeah uh, hey um i mean first of all um, thank you for um those were really kind words it's all right i'll send you a bill when we get off the um <laughs> yeah, nice but, uh, but yeah because um the thing that um Music making has always been like it, it didn't start as a profession for me. And this is, you know, it, it's a very cliche thing to say that, you know, I'm, you know, I didn't start for the money and blah, blah, blah. But I, I really didn't. And then it became an opportunity to look into what being an artist means. And I got on my sort of this path becoming an art. I wasn't an artist when I started making music, if that makes any sense. I, I was, uh, I wasn't even a producer. I was like a noisemaker. 
Yeah. Right. And and then it just went on that. And I learned on the way. Like I learned live performance. Uh, I learned DJing, at, you know, as in beat matching and stuff kind of on the way in the beginning. And, um, and, and it took me a long time to realize that I am in fact a musician and a, a, a producer because I didn't, uh, it's not that I, you know, look down on myself, but I just didn't feel that I was up to par with the professionals who I looked up to, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, but then at some point I started realizing, Hey, I've done this for two years. I've done this for five years. I've done this for 10 years. Like I must be doing something right because I'm still getting gigs. Uh, I'm still being able to do this as my full profession. And I've, I've had this, um, I hope healthy confidence about that. So I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, whatever, I'm doing, um, but I've never thought of, um, how can I say? I, I've never thought that I'm like the best of whatever DJs or best of composers, writers, this and that. I'm just, I'm doing what I want to do great. But you said that moments, you know, could be sounding relevant today. And that I take, you know, that's one of the highest compliments I can get because one thing I do know that I'm not good at is um, purposely creating hits because that requires, and I, there are not many people in the world who actually can, because that requires certain kind of talent, sniffing trends and kind of creating them. But, but for me, that's been impossible. And uh, some people have said that I've, you know, Sandstorm and Feel the Beat were some of the tracks early 2000s that kind of where I don't know some of the first ones in that genre or like they were pioneering dance music and whatnot but I'd never made them on purpose to do that or be that at all and again like when I make my music I am not trying my hardest but sort of trying my hardest not to create trendy music or try to create hits i just want to make amazing music that sounds great if yeah. that makes any sense and then uh it, i know it's a bold request to the universe but i want to make timeless music i don't i don't want to sound like a 2023 or 2015 or 20, 2007 trend because yeah. th then it means it's a trend for that time and then it's also passing yeah and so, but, but th there's a, there's a negative side to it is that for instance, moments, obviously I'm highly biased, but, but I think there's a couple tracks there that could have easily been like a playlisted, you know, hit record, so to say, yeah. uh, none of them became a, a, a huge big commercial success though. It was really well received with my fans, which kind of, you know, means the most, but I'm not going to lie. It would have been great to have had a, you know, whatever global number one as well. But but the thing is that it um, it's so hard to create trendy hits for of the moment. So I I'd rather than try and like forget that stress and create music exactly like that I love. And I I take a listen to a lot of the music of the moment when I make stuff, and then I borrow this and that like idea or that style or that sound and this and that, and then I mix it with my own kind of stuff and i don't know if if i 
if if you hear that say in moments like there's several things that sound like old darude like okay. there's kind of similar synths or similar themes or whatnot but then there's also i know there's like 2014 and 15 edm there as well that i was kind of trying to marrying st- stuff with but then uh at the same time i was really careful not to uh use like sample packs and templates that were hot that those two years that i was making the album so i think that comes really... through though that yeah. does come through because i do think sonically some of the some of the layers i would say that are that do kind of pop up throughout the course of that album um i hear that i hear that and i'm like oh someone was doing this back then mm-hmm. and i'm hearing it now in different stuff and it's not necessarily an edm and it'll be like in different genres of music entirely and i'm like yeah i like that i'm gonna i'm gonna go back i'm gonna start that again because now on it now i've been thrown off by that little bit now i need to go back and hear it again and it's almost like in like like grime music or like um or like garage uh, where they used to kind of do the wheel up and they kind of bring it back and then you start it again i'm like right let's start it again and then now i can get back into my rhythm and get my steps going again and yeah. i think that's the that's one of the most beautiful things about music it's when it takes you it takes you to a moment it takes you that place and you're like no i need to hear that again now i need to i need to start that again i need to feel it all again and then and and that's the 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 thing about really good music is music that makes you go back listen to it again but you don't listen to it in the same way as you initially heard it yeah yeah, it's it's about unpicking all the other different elements. So, like, if you speak to me in six months, I'll have very different opinions, not in a negative yeah. way, but I'll have very different viewpoints and perspectives of having listened to it further because I've I've then delved deeper into it. But then I've also wanted to understand why you did that on there, and and then kind of form the opinions and the views on that as well. Um, but it's yeah, it's. I, I'm a. I've I've heard your music over the years. I'm 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 not like totally ignorant, but I'd like I'd never listened to say a full album. I'd heard the odd track, the odd odd song, and the same goes for EDM as whole. Um, but then it's like kind of when you listen to something, and I'm like, actually, now this goes on my playlist on my streaming service. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's it's good uh, like that. I am. Um, I I have a. A, f- a funny, well, kind of anecdotal tidbit here. Um, so uh, you mentioned the tr- the song "Coming Home." Uh, mm-hmm. There's several uh, writers on that. I, I was working with um, several people at this um, writing session in Sweden, and uh, the lyrics are none of the actual l- lyrical lines, except one is directly from me. There were two main writers, I guess, and then people were pitching in and stuff, but. I was so proud. I don't know if you you remember that from it, but it hits like a nine oh nine. Yeah, and uh, if you're uh, if you're an electronic dance music person at all, you you might know that nine oh nine is a drum machine. And uh, Kanye West used it in the album nine oh nine and Heartbreak. Yeah, Roland, uh, classic drum machine, and um, it was pretty pretty uh, cool. And uh, I just wanted to kind of bring up how it came about that this. Often when you're doing like a writing session, you have uh, melodic 
stuff underneath already and then writers start writer or writers start thinking about stuff and uh throwing out lines and this uh singer Mahan, who is uh featured on the on the track she went like and then it could go something like edit na 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 and uh, that was just 909 directly to me and then i figured out hits like a 909 and it's kind of like coming home mm-hmm. but then it's pretty funny uh I don't know what age you are, but if you've ever watched the TV show back in the day, Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah. It was a huge thing back in the day. Well, anyway, so now this track is called Coming Home. And uh, some people thought that I was referring to Beverly Hills 909 or in some way to a zip code Mm -hmm. because it's 90210. Yeah. Um, And now uh, when... I'm actually now finished with my next album. It's coming sometime in the fall, maybe um, October. Okay, good. That saves me asking you that question. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And uh, there's a track that already came out called Outlaws. That's the first single that came out. I was listening to that earlier. And uh, I got to put a 909 reference into that one as well. So um, um, I'm being cheeky. Well, actually, it's my uh, co-writer. Oscar, uh, Oscar, who um, who put that line in there, but I'm so happy now I have. Nine- I know, I know the open minds, the distant nine oh nines. Yes, yeah, that's that's what you hear when you are walking towards a rave. Distant nine oh nines. Well, it's 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 like the um the kind of the EDM Pied Piper, isn't it? Kind of yeah, indeed, catching you under the spell and luring you in. Yeah, you just follow it. Indeed, but um, no, no. It's um, I thought that was. I, th- I think that's a particularly good song, and I, I really, awesome, really enjoyed that. So, very cool. Thank- thanks for making that. And you were talking about how you've been like, obviously, doing this for twenty, coming up to twenty-five years. Um, and obviously, Sandstorm was the breakout hit. Um, you're kind of the one that you were the first Finnish artist to have a top 10 in the UK. Um, so, I mean, that's 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 a, a great achievement. And it, to be honest, it should have gone to number one, but we'll not dwell on that. But like, um, no, it was. It was I, a, I'm it, over it. I know. It, it, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm carrying the torch for you. Sod it. They should have put it number one. Bastard. But like, um, no, it's... Um, and it's kind of the song that everybody kind of always mentions in every single interview with you and i'll only linger on it for a moment but you actually sat on that song for quite a while before releasing it didn't you uh yeah in its original form anyways and then sitting on it uh not not so uh purposely but yeah um i i can't remember the exact timeline but it was something like a year and a half maybe even close to two years because i um i used to um, I, I had a summer job at a different city where with and I stayed with my friend's parents for like a summer and I worked on my first couple of pieces of music during that summer as well with with my friend's uh, computer setup and um, installed Fast Tracker 2 on it and I was studying a track and kind of came up with the same kind of parts like I was listening to the track that this one has hi-hats here 
this one has piano there, this one has this sound there, that sound there. And I was kind of like copying an arrangement of a track and I was creating my own chords and melodies and also the sounds. I and mm -hmm. just basically studied the track, studied a commercially successful track that I liked. And um, then there was a part of the track that had this kind of 16th note pulsing thing going on. Yeah. And I imitated that, the sound a little bit that it had, uh, not the rhythm pattern at all and it, it that didn't actually have a melody that was just like a, that was a c part or whatever like a straight mono, monotonous uh rhythm and um that day that session i actually created the sandstorm uh full melody um but nothing came out of it like i just was like okay now it's like um uh, 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 like a filler in this part of this track. I didn't yeah. kind of mean much with it at that point. But then, you know, like a, almost two years later, uh, I opened that project again. And for whatever reason, I bounced that thing, rendered it uh, soloed, and then I put it to a Cubase that I now had. And the first Cubase VST had um, Quadrafuzz distortion unit and i put that sound during through the distortion unit and it became the sandstorm do 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 sound it's like yeah and and that sort of happy accident was the the the, the spark that triggered me to create the chords around it i made a track of it um took me like a i don't know like a week to figure it out um 909 drums, 303, some kind of bass line, and then some squelchy 303s as well, which are not in the in the final one. Um, and then I had by that time I had a quark synthesizer, so I had some big bad pad sounds from there. Doing the same that you hear in Sandstorm now, the, the chords, but with a little different sound. And um, I made a track out of it. Uh, I burned a couple of cds with it and took it to like a couple of local djs and they they did play it but it didn't get its final form until like a month or so later when uh i'd given one of those demo cds to a guy called j16 Jarko salovara and um that was a th wednesday night uh he called me i don't know in a day or two and we met again at the same club the next wednesday and uh he suggested i'd uh, you know, work with him. I didn't even know, but he had just started a record company. I became the first artist that he signed. And the next Monday from that Wednesday, uh, Sandstorm, as you hear, it was done. Uh, I mean, obviously it was mastered after that, but but yeah. uh, that Monday we uh, uh, mixed it down on a DAT tape and that was sent to mastering. And it was mind-blowing to me. Like I... Like I said, I wasn't considering myself a professional of any sort in in music, and uh, all of a sudden I had a track that we didn't know would be successful. But then we gave it like the first test pressings to some Finnish DJs, local DJs, and they started. Uh, they well, his record company, but they started sending it to some, you know, influencer DJs. At that point, uh, summer was just late late meaning like six eight months from that so it was the track of the summer in ibiza or one of them but it was like quite far away at that point so we 
we didn't have really like a reference point. It was in the middle of the winter. It was so strange. But when we went to a club, gave it to a local DJ to play it, and the first play ever, and the people were running to the dance floor going nuts, and we were like, who has arranged this uh, punked TV show feature? Because it was just so strange and and crazy. And, you know, it it, it was something that gave us like hints like well this there could be something in this track but but honestly we didn't kind of know for a while and then it stayed on on the finish dance chart for a good while number one i mean and then um neo records in uk signed it for or for global licensing and um then they released it in uk in, in june 2000 and it went to number three like we we mentioned earlier um, so yeah, I don't, I mean, it was insane. And like you said, especially thinking I sat on it for that long, didn't know what I had and whatnot. So but you needed to sit on it at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not very, um, spiritual and, and, uh, sometimes I'm, re- I get really angry when people say like things happen for a reason because there are really, really horrible negative things that happen. And I don't think there's a reason for that, but, but yeah. in this case, I'm, I'm willing to, say that I definitely had to sit on it and the timing with hindsight obviously that was that was perfect timing that that was exactly how it was supposed to go yeah I think the thing is it's like the thing's happening for a reason stuff whatever but I just think where you were at and what you were thinking you need yeah. the other parts of the process to come into play to kind of go alright I'm happy with that now Yeah, and go with it but yeah, yeah, that was a great song. It kind of, it's taken you around the world and kind of resulted in a plethora of new music. But let's talk about your new stuff. So you've got, um, we'll jump onto the new single in a moment, but you're actually um, launching your own record label, Vibing Out. Yes, sir. Yeah. Tell me about it. Well, <laughs> Vibing Out... Label. <laughs> Vibing Out is a um, is a dance music label that will be releasing my music, but also other people's music. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, criteria to to uh, getting a release on our label is the track needs to be something I would play. Uh, I mean, dance music, club music, mostly what I play in my normal sets is one twenty. 6 to 130 something um progressive house and trance and uplifting trance sometimes as well these days again and um then it could be cooler deeper house and whatnot as well i i do play that in my stream sets and i like that kind of stuff as well yeah um and uh i I get a lot of demos all the time. I get a lot of questions. Where should this go? Who should I sign this with? You know, get a lot of people asking sort of these these questions, clearly showing that there's um even with the internet, there's not enough info, there's not enough um places where to place your music. And obviously I can't place them all, but I'm I'm going to try and find good stuff. Uh, that I can release and I want to play myself. And um, one of the things about the label, I, I'm calling it 
or decided to call it vibing out and it kind of it's after my uh twitch stream friday stream that i i decided at one point call vibing out uh and it's just a dj set where i hang yeah. people right here in my studio i don't uh jump up and down and i don't go nuts because uh i i don't want to have a green screen here and try and imitate being in a club by myself um and i started the vibing out stream when the pandemic started and i've been doing it ever since every friday when i'm home i think i've skipped like four or something fridays now um but the way obviously when i'm on the road now again uh then i'm i can't do it sometimes i have you know a, a friend or colleague cover for me yeah um and uh the community became such a huge deal for me and i you know we kind of helped each other over the pandemic we gathered yeah. there, we, you know, I played music, I listened to some people's troubles, but but they were, they created the community themselves. They they gathered on my channel and at, the, at some point I realized I'm kind of, I am providing the channel, I'm playing the music, but then at the same time, if there's like 500 simultaneous people on the channel and good bunch of them talking, you know, they don't talk to me, they talk to each other as well and um oh uh and and so then um i wanted to call the the label vibing out as well so as to kind of honor the community because they've been so amazing and um i'm i'm pretty happy to say that there's actually a couple of tracks right now that i am signing that are uh something i found through the community as well Okay, and uh, obviously not all of them will be found there, and I'm not trying to be, you know, I, I I'm not claiming that I'm doing it for the community, but there's a strong influence coming from that, and I find it really cool. And now also, um, like the streams are Fridays, releases are usually Fridays, but I, I have the opportunity to uh, give my people a little insider listen in advance and stuff and that's kind of cool to have sort of um fine-tuned ears who know what they like and they can tell me if, if my tracks suck or rock and but they they'll do it in a polite way so i can kind of get like a um nice and uh, soft landing for for the promotions via that channel as well yeah it's almost like you're kind of almost having like a collaborative pseudo workshoppy kind of process yeah. approach and i think that's healthy yeah, and I, I I wasn't sure about two names for uh, two tracks. And uh, last stream, I actually did a little bit of a um, not a vote, but a questionnaire, and people were throwing suggestions. I played those tracks, each track, the uh, like one and two, and then again one and two. And um, now I have a huge bunch of suggestions for cool names that you know what people were hearing when they were hearing those tracks and. That kind of stuff is is pretty cool, and I I like it because it also involves people, gives them you know a little bit of a uh, say and feeling that they they've contributed, and uh, I think that's quite important for for me as an artist. I I don't want to be some um, untouchable somewhere, but I want to be somebody who, if they like my music, that's awesome. But I I can uh, you know directly be talking with them as well through the stream chat. 
Yeah, they feel a way, but at least they feel something. And then you can... And the thing is, it's like you feel that you're getting an honest, polite opinion and take on your music. But the thing is, that also kind of fuels your own thought process and kind of what you're thinking. I was going to ask you, actually, um, kind of, obviously, since the 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 period of the length of time that you've been in music, it's now half of your life. Um, how did you, how do you kind of keep that constant drive going on, especially with the, um, especially when, when, when it comes to creating music and then with this record label as well. And, um, and also kind of the, I, I like how you've created this community atmosphere because you're seen as like a bit of an icon in the, the dance music industry. A bit is an understatement, but like. It's like how do you how do you maintain that that drive and that enthusiasm to kind of keep going because everything changes and some people they do get soured on the experience and kind of decide to step back. Yeah, and I you know what I I've been um, I've been burned I've been uh, I've been burnt I've been a little burnt out uh, I've been sour at some point uh, I've been uninspired at some point, but like short periods of time really and um look um i don't have the most amazing studio but but so i've lived in this house where we are now uh uh for like 10 years soon and my studio was purpose built for this purpose uh there's um you know i can i have neighbors uh and i can keep banging here as loud as i can and you know, ears bleeding and the neighbors won't be bothered. Um, th just this place, man, is like, if you would see my school books, kind of the notes that I drew, like my dream studios and shit back in 96 and 7. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I said, check out BT's studio or somebody, whoever else's studio. They have huge, amazing analog spaces with like walls of this and that gear and those look amazing and those would be amazing to have i'm not into that kind of studio i have a small one and i have just a couple of gadgets but i have everything that i want and 10 times or 100 times more and it's kind of impossible to come here and not to feel inspired yeah you create safe space um yeah and i'm in my i'm in my safe space and i'm in my sort of man cave um and the only thing, uh, sometimes the the business side of all of this, uh, both the ugly shit that can st sometimes happen. Sorry, uh, no, it's fine. Like, like um, you know, shady people and all that kind of stuff. But then, just also sometimes just this the business that you have to take care of, like yeah. admin. Ad admin is something that I'm not too fond of beat uh you know just responding to emails and and uh deciding on one second you know, nego negotiation something or this and that and i'm lucky my wife is in in this family business with me as well and she's handling a lot of a lot of that stuff for me um and then i have or we have a couple of people in our extended team as well who who do a lot of those things for me um but but I've when I started making music for years I'd 
had this inkling, like, but I never played in a band. I never learned to play the piano really well because I was doing other stuff when I was a kid and I was an active kid and I played ice hockey in a, in a real hockey team and whatnot. That took a lot of time. And then I was just like, not actively, but somehow I was kind of like miffed that I can't do anything in music. Yeah. But then when I realized that there are computers, there are tracker programs, there are samplers, there are, you know, keyboards and you can program shit and you don't have to necessarily play like, you know, a virtuoso with keys or guitar or anything like that. All of a sudden this thing opened up for me and it's been like that since. Like I, I, these days I do actually like think of, Hey, I'm composing now. I'm going to compose something today or I'm going to write something today and I'm going to collaborate with somebody and we're going to purposely do something. But a lot of times I come here, I just mess about. Like I, I, I take a, one of the software synths or one of the few hardware ones that I have and I take a sound and start tweaking. I, I, I add a delay, I add a phaser, um, I add a sidechain compressor, I this and that, whatever. And that's just, it's still the same feeling kind of that I had in the beginning, like, oh, holy crap, I can create something or holy crap, I did accidentally or whatever, create something that sounds really cool. How can I expand on that? Or how can I use what I just kind of sort of stumbled upon? And it's that kind of discovery that still drives me a lot. I, I think it's... um. I think it's also important to remember, though, like the thing is, in your realm, you're an artist. And not all artists paint with brushes and on canvas. Some use metals, some use pieces of wood and glue, and some people just throw things and see what sticks. And it's about not being restricted by the confines of your perceptions of what a musician is. Mm -hmm. And people sometimes have these really aloof, ideas of what a musician should be they need to play the piano they need to be classically trained they need to play the guitar and percussion and all sorts and it doesn't always work like that and it's about you finding the medium that allows you to speak yeah your truth in the best way possible and that's kind of what you do and the thing is it's all of all of those formative years for you as a person and then as an artist it's about you finding the different the different bits of ingredients that you can then marry to c- cook up this dish that you then yeah. kind of then share with people that's how i look at it but maybe i just overthink things no no i i actually i i really feel what you said uh the the thing that I, it, it took me a while like i said like to see myself as a musician uh, I don't know if that's like imposter syndrome or whatever it is, but or just like, you know, I didn't study at this high-end school, so I'm not a musician, but whatever, something like that. But but um, not being braggy, not being overconfident, but I know today that, uh, yes, I can, um, I don't know uh, who would be a great example, but but somebody, say, who's like a guitar player virtuoso and at the same time they're not only self-taught but they've they've studied at some high berkeley university or wherever 
Mm-hmm. Today, I can go and sit down in the studio with them and they can tell me all kinds of music lingo and halfway through their sentence, I can say, I'm really sorry. I have no idea what you just said about, you know, the eighth, eighth or ninth and this and that chord. And like, I kind of know the lingo, but but I don't, that doesn't do anything in practice for me. But can you show me? Can you play me something? Can we record it? And then I'll study it. Then I'll listen to it. And I don't feel embarrassed. You know, nothing. I just need to hear it. Because I've been in situations many times where I had that feeling for a second. But then when I show something that I did, then the, you know, then the highly studied, educated person is like, holy crap, that's amazing. And I've realized that like, that I do something that they don't, they do something that I don't. And that's just how it is. And like you said, uh, different brushes, different, you know, things, uh, it, it doesn't um, necessarily mean that you need to be highly educated in music, in theory of, of music, but, but you need to hear it and you need to be able to express it somehow. And, yeah. and that's what I've learned that I don't often have these uh, mind-locking hang-ups anymore that I used to have sometimes when I would think that, oh, that person knows so much more than I do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think it's about shifting the paradigms yeah. and kind of um, alleviating or um, kind of removing yourself from the confines of these boundaries that you feel, or these walls that you feel that may be there. And there's a point whereby when you realize that even though you might not be on that same level from a sheet reading, musical, classically trained perspective, you are still peers. And yeah. there are there are gifts and there are things that you can share between you that yeah. neither person can recreate on their own. But it's yeah. when you marry those two together, that's when something totally unique and impactful and resonant kind of grows out of that organically and that's the best way to be really i think i think it's about imposter syndrome is something that afflicts everybody in every field it, 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 it's something that i go through every single day in my job and then i go do you know what fake it till you make it chris you'll be all right but like um but you, you just have to at some point because it's just otherwise it just becomes this overwhelming burden and a weight on your back and it helps no one so it's yeah it's kind of it there's i think there's a point that you get to and you kind of go it's okay to not know everything absolutely you know what what i what like i can sum this up where i sort of realized and i i i became free when i um i realized that it's okay or it's imperative to know what you don't know or what you're not good at uh-huh. because uh, you know and and be fine with it and not to try to sort of fake it or present that hey i know that too but i usually like again like if i'm in a situation where i'm start you know the insecurity or whatever starts creeping up i'm like hey i don't know this i'm just saying it up front so that i don't make an ass of myself and then that's that and then if there is something that I need to learn, then I'll try and learn it. Uh, but again, like, I think for me, it, it's a, it's sort of, um, 
I don't know if it's a Finnish thing or if it's my personal sort of trait, but but being sort of looking dumb in, in front of somebody, uh, that's like the worst thing I could ever, you, that could ever happen to me. So I'm, um, and even worse than that is like get, get like caught with a lie yeah. about it. So, mm-hmm. so I'll just like, I'll kind of like, you know, here's the table set. I don't know this. I don't know that. And I'm happy about it. I don't care. Can you help me with this? And like you said, then it, those two things that, you know, then can come together and complement each other. I mean, then that's where the magic happens, really. I'm I'm now waiting for you to announce that your next album's really called The Liberation of Darude. And you're there on the front cover, like recreated in like oil painting in a Florence style or something. And it's like a really oh, classical man. painting. But um, yeah, it, I'm, I'm going to disappoint you. It's not that. <laughs> uh, it's all right. We'll do it for the next one. Yeah. But um, as long as I get executive producer rights on there. But like, no, it's 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 really interesting. I think it's it's really kind of cool. Like, um, and it, I think it's a really nice take to kind of have. It's okay to not know everything, and yep. and and be fine with it. And I think that's something that a lot of people worry about. They worry that they need to get all the gear and do all of these things. And you've created so much music with so little when it comes to in in terms of equipment or instruments and prior background knowledge you've just figured it out and muddled through and found a way and and that's been where you were at that moment in time so um yeah and like i'm not you know i have to say i had i i stumbled upon great people and their networks and it's all kind of like you know uh, it's not just my credit but the thing that also one more thing about this sort of insecurity or this thing is that at one point I realized that um, while I did need help in the beginning with the productions so as to get it, uh, you know, professional sounding and on par and whatnot. But then uh, at some point I realized that it, the the promo, everything I did, <clears throat> couple of year, <clears throat> couple of first years, nine years, I mean, nine months out of the year being kind of like away from Finland, doing promo gig after promo gig, that was all me. And and I knew when to kind of jump and grab and do it. I learned that running. And and uh, in, addition, in addition to me, I guess, having the ear and like that sort of talent, but I also took the thing that was given me and I, I ran with it and uh, I'm still running with it. So I'm I'm tapping myself on a you know patting myself on a shoulder, you know good good job on that as well. Absolutely, I think it's yeah. important to recognise your um, your achievements and the milestones that you've passed, but also um, not not in terms as an artist, but in terms of a person. It's like I didn't think I could actually do that, but I've just gone ahead and done it, and look where I'm at. And yeah. it's um, it's important to take a step back and kind of reflect on that. So what actually this is a personal thing, what actually kind of signals your your move away from it? Because you lived in America for six years and then you've mm-hmm. you've moved back to Finland now, right? Yeah, yeah. And what 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 made you want to move back? Um, well, um, that was kind of simple. Um, unfortunate, we moved to America, my wife and I, and she's American, and um, her dad had a, a health issue 
and we moved there to support him. And mm-hmm. um, we were there for about two and a half, two, two and a half years. And unfortunately, he didn't make it. Um, but by that time, we'd actually gotten our own place. And then our son was born around the same time as the grandpa passed away, unfortunately. And so we sort of, it wasn't like we grew roots there, but we, we had like a life established for like rhythm and stuff. So we ended up staying there for six years. Uh, my touring in the U.S. was really easy. Basically fly out late afternoon Friday, fly back in still on the Sunday side. And and uh, I liked it there. Atlanta traffic sucks real bad, but Roswell, Georgia, where we lived right north of Atlanta was really nice and we were close to uh, her family so that was the main thing but then our son uh you know got bigger and so we decided we we wanted to uh uh bring him back here to to go to school and um just no offense to america you know obviously my wife is from there i've worked there for over 20 years Uh, i love america but but uh finland is much cleaner much safer and um Obviously, closer to me as well, but but my wife has ties to Scandinavia as well, so it's not like she didn't know what Finland is, yeah. and we lived here before as well. So it was a mutual decision to come here, and um, we're really happy about it. Uh, we live kind of on the countryside, but an hour and a bit from Helsinki and Helsinki Airport, you yeah. know, 40 minutes from another big city where I used to live before, and um, calm. It's like... When I'm not on the road, it's nine to five ish kind of thing. I do studio, take my kids to school, and to do studio during the day, and then the hobbies in the evening and whatnot. And uh, I'm a I'm a middle aged dad who also tries to skateboard anytime he can. <laughs> and and how are the injuries from that? <laughs> uh, you know, the, I love skateboard. That's that is a thing, by the way. I don't know if it's middle, uh, you know middle life crisis or whatever it is, but, but there was a 20 plus year gap in my skateboarding and I took it on five years ago or so again. And I've been bruised, bumped, almost mimed a couple of times and uh, or maimed a couple of times, but then um, something's there. Like I, I, I love it. And I just recently actually started uh, taking on a little bit of a vert skating as well. I don't do anything in, in vert ramps yet other than drop in, but practicing and uh that's the one thing or oh, i play ice hockey as well and that's very similar but but those two things are something that have nothing to do with my work have nothing to do with finances any kind of stress on that side so it just clears my mind and i i feel amazing after i've skated or played a hockey game and um i don't know it's a metaphor for your career, though, isn't it? It's like you get hurt and you get up and you go again. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, like, look, uh, I'm I'm not, for instance, forcing my kids to do skateboarding. I've I try to push them a little bit towards that because I push them down the invert no. ramp. <laughs> <laughs> go for it, lift the dream. But skating, as an activity, is about um, what I would say ninety percent failing. Or if not failing, at least bailing. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's falling down all the time. You need to know how to fall down, take a fall, and to get up. And um, you know, when you have when you have something that's your passion, 
be it skating or music or whatever else, I think that's what you should have. Like you, you should have the passion to get up again. I, I don't know. I mean, and I, I think skaters make, not talking about myself, but like the, the, the mindset makes great entrepreneurs, for instance, or maybe people who study and because you just, uh, just get hit in the head metaphorically you know, whacked, whacked, and then you still need to pick things up and get back up. Isn't it the, uh, isn't it that, um, the, is it called Sisu? Yeah, that's the finish. Yeah, like a stamina and strength. Terminate. Mind and attitude. Yeah. 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 That's why you're in the happiest country in the world, isn't it? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to move out there. Have you got spare room? But, uh, (laughs) you know, I can, I can point you to a great, uh, great, Great hotel. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, you know what? If you would, I would. I would actually. Um. I. W- I could. Um. I could host you for for a couple of days so you get. Oh, you were here. Stay. I don't care what anyone else says about you. I think you're nice. I think you're lovely. <laughs> but no, seriously, it's it's great. So, um, this weekend, what 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 are you gonna bring? What what are you gonna bring? To, what bombs are you gonna drop for us in the city? Well, the. the the thing about my shows are, I say to myself uh, over and over again, I don't know what, what the greatest and craziest thing, fireworks that I'll bring is. Uh, it's going to be me. You're going to see me smiling, very selfishly playing exactly the music that I love. But at the same time, I think that's contagious. People see me having fun on stage. Um, this is going to be... A little bit geared towards the the classics head so there's probably going to be a couple more classics than normal in my set but i always play some classics usually some new remixes and stuff and now that i have an album full of tracks of my own i'm definitely going to be showcasing several of those as well and um when i want to on stage i'm i feel home i feel happy and um i just I make eye contact with people. I want to have some interaction. It's just all in good fun. And uh, the louder the crowd, the better. But at the same time, sometimes, um, you know, quiet crowds, but very intensively focused, they are great as well. But I know I know these crowds now, though. I, I did this a year or two ago as well, the same festival, and it, it's going to be insane. Oh, that'd be good. I mean, last week they had uh, the Ibiza classics orchestral um oh, norfolk yeah. park in sheffield and that that looked like it was a really great event so um yeah. and um everybody there seemed to love that and the previous weekend there was the Tramlines music festival which i was at which was incredibly muddy but also just a really nice vibe as well so either way i think people are going to love it and you're also i assume you're going to be playing your new single which comes out this friday nobody yeah. Nobody listens. Nobody listens. Yes, and uh, there's a uh, handsome Brit there, Gid Setwick, who is yeah. uh, doing the vocals and wrote the vocals, and uh, he's a fantastic dude. Uh, I've loved his stuff uh, for years now, and uh, I played a lot of his stuff on my stream or stuff that he's been featured on. Uh, various peers of mine have released stuff with him and I've been sort of jealous because those tracks are amazing and um, 
I actually just mentioned it several times on the stream, like, take a listen to this track and blah, 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 and get us singing, and it's amazing, and goosebumps. And, and somehow, at some point, we connected on uh, Insta or Twitter and uh, got to talking, and I asked him, and there's actually going to be two tracks on this album where you can hear him, uh, and I'm very, very happy. Uh, and I think at this festival, I might actually play um the sort of more uplifting like 136 or 138 bpm version i made as well like um all right i've listened to it i like it yeah it's a nice track it reminded me of um um the way that he sang on that track it reminded me of the lead singer of bastille um dan smith in a way do you know like a like a like a like a dan smith light kind of thing without kind of overdoing it yeah and it was very it very much kind of reminded me of that in a way. I kind of just got that feeling from it, and it was yeah, it was it was a cool track. I'll uh, I'll tell you another thing. There's going to be a track um, that has the word. Uh, we haven't decided on the exact track title yet, but it's probably together or something similar. Um, and uh, get singing on that one as well. And uh, what I really fell for was that it sounds sort of like Depeche Mode-ish or Eraser or something like that. The the vocal bit that I used in that one. And uh, whenever you get to hear it, um, maybe we'll do another one of these or something before the album comes out, but that's going to be one of the album tracks. And uh, it's um, it's so funny because he sounds like... What was the... Um, is it Dave... Something the singer of um, Edge Mode maybe it doesn't matter but but it's kind of like and he didn't he doesn't but he when I mentioned that to him he's like yeah I've heard that before and there's like certain range that he's in Dave sounds like um, is it Gayan Gayan yes yes, yes. Yeah. and but but I don't know if it's the style of singing or if it's the style of like effects or the style of how I use the vocal but but it was interesting and I loved that sort of. Um, it's kind of a coincidence. I didn't know that he's gonna do that vocal bit, but then I, when I used it on a track, I was like, "Yes, that's that's always nice to kind of just pick out those little bits, and then it just gives you that little lift as well, isn't it? Yeah. You'll have to um, you'll have to send it me over when it's done. Yeah, love to. I love to give it a listen. But um, I'll give you um, I'll give you a follow on the socials, and um, then you can um, yeah, and then I can pester you and then say. Oi, when you're releasing new music, send some over. I want to check it out. Yeah, I could definitely do that. No, but like, seriously, it's, um, but I know, like, it's, what time is it for you? Is it like 25 to 10? Is it, or is it later? Yeah. It's yeah. 25 to 10. Yeah. So, uh, like, um, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you've got things to, you've got a life to live after all. Skateboards yeah, breaking, well, push down inverted ramps. So, yeah. um, I will, um, and, uh, it's it's okay. Uh, I I can tell you. I can give you a compliment. Um, not all the interviews are some that I I want to or do let go long, but you yeah, you clearly know your music, and uh, I I'm thankful for you actually. Uh, you know, checking out other stuff than Sandstorm because that's like you mentioned earlier. Often that's the that's the talking point. And uh, while I'm immensely proud of the track, and I I. Still, I'm happy it happened. I still get stuff because of it, like gigs or sinks or whatever. 
Yeah. But I've done a couple of other, other things too, so it's nice to talk about other stuff as well. Well, you're not defined by the one thing that you've done in your life. And that was merely part of the journey that you've kind of like had so far. So I think it would be remiss of me just to focus on that. And also, I, I remember you mentioning in an interview um, the uh, the Dr. Alban song, It's My Life, I think it was. Yeah. That's a tune, isn't it? Well, I, I, I read the interview and, and then you mentioned that and I was like, I've been listening to that song in about... 20 years gonna listen to that and I add that on as well so yeah it's, that's the thing it's always great to kind of just then pull those memories back out and just remember when I was like gosh I must have been like nine or something at the time <laughs> that came out and it was just like I was when I first heard that song and it's yeah it's great but like you said it's I don't I normally only do these for about half an hour um um but when you kind of just for me it's just nice to have a conversation with people and i'm not a music expert i just i like music and i like talking to people and mm -hmm. everything else that kind of comes out of that is just a happy coincidence really so yeah it's it's been an absolute pleasure and um hey likewise man yeah man i wish I you think, all the best i think the thing um uh well podcasts are are sort of better anyways because that is more than an interview and i don't mind the word interview or interviews but often if i start an interview with somebody i i just wanted to go to a convo not not an interview do you if yeah. there's a there's a difference there like you just start exchanging and then you know it's it's much much nicer much more organic and and uh i would say you get much more out of it both ways you know, just... Yeah, it's, it's much more genuine, isn't it? And, yep. Um, not forced or predetermined by any yeah. particular. I mean, it's always nice to have some questions as a bit of a conversation starter. Yeah, but, of course. But of course. but you just want it to flow. I want it to feel almost like I know you've not got one, but I'm sat here with my rum and coke, and I just just want to relax and just yeah. chill and feel the vibe. Well, but I have my mint tea, so we're almost I'm... the same. I'm going to go and get my herbal tea afterwards, actually, to be fair, but it's just, I didn't have the time to like boil the kettle. So it was just a rum and a coke quick, but, um, seriously, um, have a great rest of your evening, have a wonderful show at the weekend and good luck with the single. Um, nobody listens with, uh, good Sedgwick. Um, that's out on Friday. Uh, we'll be able to stream that on all the streaming services. I assume you'll be able to buy it on Bandcamp and things like that. Um, actually, I don't know if we have Bandcamp right now, but if, at least Beatport, if you're into buying stuff, it's one of the things that, uh, I, it's, it's weird because us, us DJs, we need, uh, the MP3s or waves still. And yeah. it's actually hard to get them these days other than just a couple of, uh, MP3 download stores. But I mean, I, I should be on all the usual suspects though. Thank you, Darud, for kind of giving me the time and we went over our plan time because sometimes that's how the conversations go but what an absolute gent it was an absolute pleasure and i hope you enjoyed stay tuned for the next episode coming soon and as always thanks for listening <laughs>